The Guardian. The Guardian live at the Edinburgh Fringe 2008. Hello and thank you for downloading our last podcast from the Guild of Balloon in Edinburgh. I'm Miles Job. We recorded the show before we knew who had won the F.Comedy Comedy Awards. Now, throughout the series, we've been joined by Sarah Millican, and we were absolutely delighted to discover that she has, in fact, won the Newcomer Award, so well done to Sarah. It also gave us a great deal of pleasure to hear that David O'Doherty had scooped the main prize. As a special treat, we're going to stick on one of his now award-winning songs for you to listen to again that he recorded especially for The Guardian here at the Gilded Balloon. Thanks again for downloading these shows. We hope you enjoyed them all. We certainly love making them. And please enjoy this one, our last show. And who knows, maybe we'll see you again next year. Hello and welcome to the final recording of The Guardian live at the Gilded Balloon. I am Miles Jupp. Uh, we have a cracking show for you lined up today. We're delighted to be joined by all three of the If.Comedy newcomer nominees as well as some old school comedy legends. All will be revealed. But to start us off, we have nominee number one, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Wozniak. Hello. Hello, welcome, thank you very much indeed. It's been, it's been a tricky year uh, for, for me and my family this year, particularly my father, Josef Wozniak. He's a Polish amateur scientist. He spent most of the early part of this year trying to disprove the well-established medical fact that it is impossible for a man to shit and shout at exactly the same time. <laughs> As you can imagine, this has made the home environment not a little unpleasant for my mother... Fortunately, though, he has abandoned these experiments after reading in one of his journals that if a man was to sneeze and fart at exactly the same moment, he would implode (laughs) and immediately cease to exist. He's had a stab at the marathon as well this year. That didn't go particularly well. He's not, not a natural athlete, didn't really prepare properly. I think the first clue that something was going wrong came at mile two when he felt as if his right leg was coming loose. Clue two came at mile three when he was overtaken by a man dressed as a Cornish pasty, (laughs) running flat side on. (laughs) Which, as we all know, is the hardest way to run as a Cornish pasty. (laughs) But he persevered until clue three, mile five, when finally he discovered that, yes, a man can shit and shout at the same time. As a man, he was disgraced. As an amateur scientist, triumphant. I know his passion for science was inspired by his grandfather, my great-grandpa, Ojciec, another Polish amateur scientist who I got to know when I was a, a nippy. He loved regaling us with tales of the old country, particularly his boyhood growing up on a little farm outside Krakow. And his favourite story to tell me, which is a, a true story, he said it was true, was at the time he had to transport a chicken and a fox and a bag of grain (laughs) from one side of a stream to another. The odd thing about this, right, all he was given to do this with was a small boat only large enough to fit him and two of the chicken and the fox and the bag of grain. I know what you're thinking. There are consumption issues here. What happens if the fox is left unattended with the chicken or the chicken unattended with the grain? It's going to be chaos. But he's a smart man, my great-grandpa Richards. So what he does, right, he gets in the boat with the chicken and the bag of grain, and he rows them across the stream, and then he drops them off. And then he goes back to where the fox is, and he shoots the fox dead. (laughs) Because in agricultural terms, a fox is of literally no value whatsoever. It's better off separated by a body of water from the other animals, and dead, than it is going through the fuss of trying to get a fox in a boat and row it across a stream, which it won't like. 
it's quite it's quite an odd thing to be asked to do on a farm, really. And then he went back to where the chicken and the bag of grain were, and they were fine, because Great Grandpa Reuchertz had tied up the bag of grain. <laughs> and chickens, right? Chickens. Chickens can't undo knots. Smart man, yeah? Farmer's son. Right. I've, I've got quite a nasal grating quality to my voice. It makes me sound as if I was raised by a herd of local radio station DJs. And I, <laughs> that gets tiring after a while, so I'm going to leave it there. Thanks very much. My name is Mike Wozniak. Cheers. Mike Wozniak is performing nightly at 10 o'clock at Medina. The second nominee has been described as a slick and talented performer with an ear for a good line. She's here now. She's performing at the Pleasance Courtyard until the end of the Fringe. Please welcome Amangela Toolhardy. Hello. This is my this is my talk entitled "How Not to Be Lonely." Uh, some, some people some people are lucky because they get to be married and they they live in a house together and they are happy. But some people do have to live on their own. Uh, I I live on my own, so so I did get a cat. He is called Max. He looks a little bit like Hitler, so I have to hide him when my Jewish friends come around. My, my Jewish friends are called Abdul and Wakim. They have come around twice. Once for dinner and once to collect that umbrella. But it's important, if you do like to keep your cat happy, it's important that you feed it. But some people think that to feed a cat, you must feed it from a tin. But tin is made of poison because it comes from a time when slaves did dig the earth and then they did die of exhaustion and their bodies did become one with the ground. So do not buy tin or you negate the work of Oxfam. Ma Max likes prawns. I, I, I buy him the tiny, tiny ones, but not the big giant ones because he is scared of the word tiger. Max does like a drink. I, I like to give him water because it comes from nature and is low calorie, so he does not become a fat cat. Because goodness knows there's enough fat cats in this world. Double meaning! Sometimes, sometimes I see Max on the floor and I pick him up and I say, I love you, Max, and he purrs in my ear. And then I do pick up the telephone, but there's nobody there. Sometimes, sometimes a cat is not such good company. Like when you, when you want to go to the fun fair and you go on the merry-go-round and he just squirm even though you did use all that sellotape. <laughs> so so, so it, it's not always the best, but at least if you have a cat, then he will always love you and then you are not lonely. So that is my talk on how not to be alone. Bye. Pepper Evans, ladies and gentlemen. The Guardian Live at the Gilded Balloon. There are three uh, newcomer nominees for the If Dot Comedy Awards, but we know that really they're all winners. The third one has been with us since the very start. She's from the north. She's in a nightclub. Let's hope she doesn't start a fight. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Millican. Hello. Hello. Uh, now, Sarah, I'm sure the last thing you want to do, the last thing that you'd like to do, is talk about being nominated for the If Dot Comedy Newcomer Award. How do you feel about being nominated for the... <laughs> it means I can buy a dress. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I decided if I got any five-star reviews, then I could buy a top, and if I got nominated, I was allowed to buy a dress, so I'm going shopping straight after this. Oh, really? What? Do you, not, you, you haven't had a dress before now? <laughs> yes, I've had a dress. I'm allowed...
borrowed a new dress. You're a boy, you wouldn't understand. Clearly, look at his wardrobe. Oh. <laughs> Orange on the radio. <laughs> this, uh, I was given this last night uh, by uh, the comedian Simon. A homeless Simon. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He didn't think it was good enough for him. A <laughs> hundred years ago, people like you would not be allowed to talk to people like me like that. <laughs> You'd work hard, I'd own the mill. That's the way things would go. Um, it's not Catherine Cookson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. She is a bit Catherine Cookson, isn't it? Yeah, is she from your way? Uh, yes, uh, where I live is uh, South Chineside, and that's where I used to live, South Chineside, and that's called Catherine Cookson Country. <laughs> Woo! Uh, mm. uh, how have you enjoyed your uh, podcast uh, Guardian experience? Um, mostly, apart from you, it's been lovely. <laughs> uh, no, really, I've had a nice time. It's, it's daft and, and fun. It is daft, isn't it? Now, when you, uh, when you haven't been wowing the critics... Uh, oh, God. I haven't been what in the critics? Wanging the critics. <laughs> I haven't done that in a long time. Um, <laughs> As soon as I started getting good reviews, I stopped wanging the critics. <laughs> <laughs> it worked, though. <laughs> so grateful for it to finally stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you haven't been wowing the critics and audiences with your stand-up act, you've been gadding about town, asking fringe celebrities daft questions uh, for now a world-famous game called Millican's Minute. They're not, I don't think they're daft. I no, think. I think no, I think we're we're learning about celebrities here. I think it's it's questions that you couldn't possibly ever come up with. Yeah, because I'm I'm down with the people. You think you're up there? You're not really. You're just somewhere else. <laughs> uh, who who who've been asking Millikan's minute to this time? Uh, this week I was very lucky to meet the fabulous Barry Cryer. I can't believe Barry Cryer would take part in a game quite so daft. Let's see how he got on. Barry Cryer on Millikan's minute. If you're going for your Sunday dinner, would you have beef, pork, lamb or chicken? Lamb. What newspaper do you read? Uh, I read the Mail and the Guardian. The Mail gets me shouting and the Guardian gets me thinking. What's your favourite pudding? Rhubarb. Ah. Elvis or Cliff? Oh, oh Elvis. <laughs> EastEnders or Coronation Street? Corrie. Early morning or late night? Uh, late night. Darts or pool? After today with Jim Bowen, pool. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favourite subject at school? English. Um, if your house was on fire, what would you leave? Uh, my truss. What do you read on the toilet? Uh, the roll, because, you know, there's some printing on each perforation. What's your favourite film? Some Like It Hot. And what's your alcoholic beverage of choice? I am the thinking woman's lager lout. And what's your non-alcoholic beverage of choice? A uh, cup of tea. What did you have for your breakfast today? Uh, I had Rice Krispies today with an abundance of milk. Millikan's Minute! Uh, the big question, Sarah, how many did you get right? You got 15. I wonder where that puts him on the Millikan's Minute leaderboard. Anna, bring on the leaderboard! She asked our questions wherever she goes, but just how many do they know? It's Millikan's Leaderboard! Sarah Millikan's Leaderboard from Millikan's Minute Live the Guardian podcast. Anna, new tattoo. Um, <laughs> uh, well, it puts him right at the very top, above uh, Kate Robbins, Felix Dexter, and Jim Bowen. And poor Jim, all at the bottom. But he did, he did actually, of all the guests, Jim Bowen smelt the nicest. 
I think I think there should be another board of, of who smelt the nicest, and Jim would definitely win that. But he did lose on this one, bless him. Ladies and gentlemen, this show is it's not only about winners; it's also about losers. So here to accept his booby prize, Jim Bowen. Yeah. I've got you a booby prize, pet. Do you want to know what it is? No. <laughs> Do you want to try that again? That was the wrong answer, pet. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, he's so well-behaved, isn't he? I want one for home. Um, it's £1.10, sell up tape to um, a piece of card for your itsy bus for your home. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's really thoughtful. <laughs> I really like that. But I did enjoy doing the interview with you. I thought the questions were a bit uh, basic, really. Um, I, was I said you smelt really nice. That's nothing to do with basic. That's to do with humanology. I thought the questions were um, beneath me, quite frankly. <laughs> I'm used to a more, more gravitas in my interviews. Is that why it took you so long to answer them with the too hard? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, I was thinking of a, a, an erudite answer, actually. You didn't manage many, did you? I didn't. <laughs> I'm a bit pissed off with this now, to be honest. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm losing the will to live now, um, <laughs> so I'm not bothered anymore. I'll have a bat then. Go on then. Thank you. <laughs> See if I care. <laughs> we had a bit of fun with it, though, didn't we? Yeah, we did. It was a laugh. It was yes. It, yours is a laugh to, to be remembered, isn't it? It is a laugh. <laughs> God Almighty, that's Sorry. a laugh. That's a cackle for fun. That really. Yeah, I wish my audience did that. I've forgotten what the sound was like, to be honest. Did I come in today? If you wouldn't, just double the numbers. <laughs> I've slept no. with more people. Um, <laughs> I haven't. No, I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> come on, don't try and compete. Get on with it, for God's sake. Come on. Now, Sarah, you hold on to that £1.10. That'll go a long way where you're from. Um, <laughs> now, uh, Jim, uh, your show... <laughs> Your show starts about five minutes over the road at the Underbelly. Uh, yes, it it's does. been going down a storm this year. Have you, have you had well, a good time? It's done okay, yeah. It's a big venue, it's a lunchtime, so it's not the best of combinations, but we have enjoyed it. Uh, we've had two guests on each day. I do a 15-minute warm-down, um, <laughs> and then we bring the guests on, who've been absolutely tremendous, and then we do a version of Bullseye, which, as you remember, in 1980 started on our screens and was, and was crap. Um, <laughs> and ironically, it ran for 15 years... And in 1995, it was still crap. <laughs> the only difference is we drive home in a Bentley and bollocks to you. Now, <laughs> I never say that and mean it. I was very fortunate to get on the back of the game, I promise you. It's all about luck, not about talent, as it's become obvious this last five years. Uh, Jim, you've been inviting people to play darts with you uh, on your game. Well, uh, you came, of course, didn't you, and played, and we're... And we're uh, it went very well, yes. Yes, it did well. I was really upset. I thought he would have lost, really. Oh, that, this gentleman in the front row, you... Hurrah. Hurrah. He was my partner. Uh, Absolutely. On, on Bullseye. Yes, a Goodness fine young yes, gentleman that's right. with a similar hairstyle to me. Um, there we did the uh, <laughs> wide partings, they're called, aren't they, now? Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that wash-and-go shampoo. I just get the go now. Yeah. <laughs> I used to do these in the act. I'm, I'm glad I stopped. <laughs> yes, I recognise the sweater. Yeah, that's right. You, how many months ago was it we did the show? It was some, did you do well on it? Got to the final. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's not the point. Get to, did you win? D did you win? Uh, 
nearly. The answer you're looking for is no. <laughs> because uh, nobody in 21 days at the Udderbelly has won anything. <laughs> Pretty much like the series, really. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's got the highest score, though? Well, now, honestly, you've, you've caught me there, but it was a, a double act we had on right at the beginning, and a girl who'd never thrown a dart before managed... And this, she scored about 280 with the six darts, and she, it looks like she's going to win the... The, the Bendy Bullet, which is the highest score for the celebs over the series. Uh, mm. Now, Jim, apart from Millican's Minute, uh, what will be your uh, enduring memory of Edinburgh this year? Um, I think probably, quite seriously for a second, going to see Tim Vine and Kate Robbins. I saw those two acts and realised I needed one. <laughs> um, quite phenomenal. Vine was outstanding and Katie was... was uh, I'd never seen Kate work before, but... I was quite impressed. She does a fabulous combination of, of Victoria Wood singing the James Bond themes. And it's unbelievably funny. And I was really upset about it. Uh, do you think you'll come back again next year? Do you know Everybody says... Well, we all say that, don't we? And towards the end of the, the, the run, we tend to say, oh, no, I'm knackered. We've had enough, you know. But uh, when you get home and you, and you think back, by the time it gets to September, October, you look back at, at it with a massive affection... So when you get to my age, you look, you're looking back all the time anyway because you don't look forward. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if I'm around, I probably when I get over this fatigue, which has been caused by Bellhaven cut smooth uh, <laughs> and, and all this young aspirational stuff, the energy of it all has kept me going. When I get home, back to my home, for the bewildered, um, <laughs> once the matron's told me who I am, I'll get on with my life and, and, and maybe next year try it again. But I've enjoyed it thoroughly. It's been great. I've made a lot of friends. Uh, well, Jim, your own show is just about to start over the road. We better let you go, or else we'll have 450 Jim Bowen fans rushing the stage here. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't already seen it, do do it. it honestly, it, it is a great show. It's a lot of fun. Jim's show every day, 12.30 at Underbelly. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Bowen! <laughs> Sarah, it doesn't seem fair to give Jim a booby prize without giving our winner a prize too. We have got a prize here for Barry Cryer as well, though, haven't we? And we've got Barry Cryer with his comedy partner, Ronnie Golden. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to our podcast, Barry Cryer and Ronnie Golden. Now, Barry, congratulations on winning Millican's Minute. You must be very proud. And congratulations on that sweater. You know that too many people have forgotten Ian Paisley, but... (laughs) Barry, it isn't Paisley, it's plain. Oh, right. Which suits Miles. <laughs> Barry. Uh, yes, Miles. <laughs> Here is your prize. It's a specially commissioned Millican's Minute medallion. Barry Cryer's prize, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's great. Remind an old man of time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long I've got left. I don't even buy green bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, no, uh, Barry's, uh, Barry's prize for, for people listening on the bus is uh, an enormous clock on a gold chain. Um, and I never thought I'd get paid for saying this, but Barry Cry, you now remind me of Flavor Flav. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's got no idea. I know. Where are we? <laughs> are you my son? Uh, it's no, a rap no. band, Barry. They're public enema. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Does this hang around my neck? Well, if it's too heavy, obviously, don't, don't go wear it, it for long, long protracted periods. permanent stoop, I'm not wearing it. <laughs> now, uh, Barry, I believe Ross Noble once said that uh, what you do 
is uh, so old it's new. Yes. Uh, is, that, is, that, is that fair? Yeah, no, the point being that uh, Tony knows this, my mate, uh, a.k.a. Ronnie Golden. Um, I tell jokes and sing songs. And uh, nobody tells jokes. Brilliant stand-ups like Sarah here and our friends over there. They, they, they do routines and observational and talk about life and everything. But we all love jokes when we're in the bar or when we're just together. But uh, this generation of comedians who I admire enormously don't tell jokes. So what Ross meant was, you know, I've got my own little niche now. <laughs> I actually tell jokes. And as you rightly said, he said, what you're doing is so old, it's new, don't change a thing. He said, <laughs> oh, I love him. But in a Geordie accent. In a Geordie accent. <laughs> How wise of me not to attempt it. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, uh, Ronnie, you're, you're sometimes described as Barry's musical carer, isn't it? Yes. How, how, how fair is that? <coughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, we write the stuff together and, uh, and, uh, and, and we, we just have a good time with it, really, you know. And, uh, yeah, I make sure that he gets uh, to bed by 8.30 every night and... Uh, he doesn't take too much. He's always doing the sonatogen, chopping it up, snorting it up, you know. <laughs> I have to put a lid on that, you know. So I basically work with his wife, and uh, we kind of work as a team to make sure he doesn't get too out of it. Because <laughs> you've, 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 uh, you've worked with the greats in your, in your time, uh, Ronnie. Tom Jones, David Bowie, Michael Caine. Um, how does Barry compare to such gentlemen? <laughs> Let's say not the top of the Millican list. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I've not really worked... I, I had a very small part in, in the fourth protocol with Michael Caine. I had a scene in the back of a van with him. And um, it, 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 was, it was great fun, actually. And I, I, basically, I was an MI6 agent, and, um, along with three others. And we were in the back of the van. And, and between takes, my, uh, Michael Caine's talking to, the, um, talking to the driver. And he goes, uh, oh, he said, uh, yeah, me and Shakira, we had a call from, uh, from Liz... Uh, to go out to Capri because uh, Elizabeth Taylor's had her own little private cinema and he said uh, she was showing her favourite film. You know what it was? He said, no. He said, carry on, Cleo. <laughs> <laughs> because Elizabeth Taylor closed down 20th Century Fox with, with Cleopatra. It was one of the most, you know, huge mistakes in cinema history. And so she loved seeing carry on, Cleo, you know. <laughs> and it was, it was quite funny because one of the MI6 agents uh, just tapped me on the shoulder and he said... I was a Roman soldier in that. <laughs> I thought this is a career divide as yeah. well, this van. You know? uh, now, uh, for people that haven't yet seen your show at the Gilded Balloon, gentlemen, what, what, what can they expect? Oh, sheer undiluted ecstasy, <laughs> which we give out as they come in. <laughs> Just for the crack, you know. <laughs> No, it's uh, the songs and stories, and uh, my friend drives it along with his musical expertise. It's the kind of greatest hits this year. We're doing kind of, because we've done about six or seven, and we decided to just kind of, you know, cherry-pick our favourites, and it uh, seems to be working, you know. Now, well, your, your, your opinions are, are much valued uh, by comedians working in Britain today. Who, who, who do you admire most uh, currently? Uh, Miles Jupp, is that his name? Miles Chupp, I admire enormously. Oh, that's, that's Where is he now? What, what, what's I, happening? I don't know. He spends most of his time being called Martin by Jim Bowen. But, um... <laughs> 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 I, 
tell the story. Tell the story about the uh, the bouncer and you and the part oh. that you told me. Oh yeah, and this is the one that you then uh, no credited. Oh, I yes. told it to an audience, credited to you. Yeah, this is about I've I've written for Barry Cryer. Uh, how, <laughs> I, did, it was, uh, uh, I was doing a gig in uh, Leeds about uh, eight eight years ago, and uh, it was, I was I hadn't been going very long. I was rather terrified. I was comparing the show, and a man hurled abuse at me uh, from right from the beginning uh, of the gig. Uh, I was absolutely terrified. In, in those days, um, I wore uh, when I was doing stand-up, I wore corduroys and uh, a tweed jacket. Um, I just thought that'd be edgy. And uh, <laughs> this man, he just hurled abuse at me throughout again. At the time, I was not a very intimidating figure. I was still, a, a, I think, a first-year theology undergraduate. And um, <laughs> I, I was waiting in the in the in the foyer to leave. Me and another comics to who? And uh, one of the bouncers came up to me and he said, uh, "Oi, uh, Miles, that bloke that was heckling you all night, he's waiting outside." And I said, "All right, well, what should I do?" And he went, well, I've turned the CCTV off, so you can have a pop at him if you like. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Did you? No. No, I'm telling everybody that that told them as well, the the heckling, which is now a blood sport, a fine art, there's some really stuff. There was a programme on Radio 4 a week or two ago about a young uh, stand-up comedian in Liverpool, and a guy in the audience shouted, get off! And the comic said, well, that's not very witty. Can't you say something topical? He said, get off now. <laughs> uh, now, uh, Barry Cryer and Ronnie uh, uh, Golden have very kindly agreed to perform a song for us from their show. Uh, before they do, we've got one more small bit of business to conclude on the podcast. Throughout this series, we've been asking all the Guardian journalists how many shows they've managed to see in a day. Seeing us today is all about winners. Let's see who ended up top of the journalist leaderboard. Anna, for one final time, bring on the leaderboard! Show, but to just how many will they go? The Guardian leaderboard. The Guardian leaderboard. Anna, I'm sorry that you've managed to lose the bottom part of your bikini. Now, <laughs> uh, Cornelius Lysert has won the Guardian leaderboard. He's not a reviewer, he's a horse racing correspondent, so the real winner has been the fringe itself. Now, Cornelius can't be with us to accept his prize. He has sent us this message. Hello, Miles. Hi, team. Yes, Cornelius Lysett here. Look, I am really, really sorry I can't be there with you in the Gilded Balloon today to accept my award. Uh, and I'd like to thank you all for giving me the chance to take part in the Journalist Leaderboard competition. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, all the shows I sat through, uh, all of the other journalists, my friends... Uh, Edinburgh itself, the good people who hand out the flyers, the German sausage hut, the street performers, and of course the Guardian newspaper for allowing me to write three articles this year so far. Another one on September the 2nd. (sighs) I believe the loser, compose myself, I believe the loser is getting shot in a Guardian-sponsored revolution. So thanks, Miles, for handing me this gun. And Paul McInnes, look, I'm really sorry to have to do this, but you knew the rules. (laughs) Thanks once again. And I'm already counting off the days till next August. Oh dear, poor old Paul McInnes. Not, not been in the game long. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming along here to these recordings. Thank you to the rest of you for downloading it. To end our series on a high, please welcome Ronnie Golden and Barry Cryer. I've got a friend who's an agent and... Uh, he had an office over a salt beef bar in London, and his floor and their ceiling were so thin that if you stamped, 
in his office they could hear below. And he became friends with the people in the salt beef bar and they evolved a code. One stamp was a cup of tea, two stamps was a cup of coffee, and three stamps was a salt beef sandwich. And he said it worked very well until the day he auditioned a flamenco dancer. <laughs> <at> the... <laughs> this is for him. Esta historia de un muchacho e una muchacha. This is the story of a boy and girl. Él está grande y orgulloso joven. He was a fine, upstanding young man, and she was. Ella está vieja, la pera. A farmer's daughter. Como bristolas enormes y una putenda como le black wall tunello. Who did a lot of work for charity. They fell in love. But her mother said, No, 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 said moustache, you're ridiculous. This cannot be that ridiculous moustache. And she said, Pero madre, mi But mother, he loves my moustache. Así una noche el muchacho placa una escalera del lado de Ventura. One night he put a ladder up to her window. Una corta escalera. A short ladder. Estuvio ni no casa. It was a bungalow. <laughs> y el acelope de Matriz. And they eloped to Matriz. Pero desgracia. Diamante. But alas. Una día ellos trapos en puerta revolvió. Como separistas y cruzaron muerte. One day they were trapped in a revolving door with some separatists <laughs> and crushed to death. And the moral of this story is: Llamas, placa, todos vuestros basques en una salida. Never put all your basques in one exit. My name is David O'Doherty, but that won't be the title of my autobiography. To sell some more units, I'm going to call it Harry Potter and the Da Vinci Book of Sudoku. <laughs> World, you can mess with me once, and you'll probably get away with it. Mess with me twice, and chances are, I still probably won't remember. But mess with me numerous times across a concerted period in a similar way and think you're going to get away with it. Well, you're wrong. Because I'm going to lampoon you through a comedy song, song, song. I'm talking about my beefs 2008. Things I've encountered that have left me irate. My beefs 
2008, excuse me, while I unleash some hate. Ah. Celebrity news, stop appearing at the end of real news. You diminish the real news. And the death toll from the earthquake could rise as high as 15,000. Christina Aguilera's cat has alopecia. No! 23-year-old men, stop buying pointless accessories for your rubbish cars. This has gone on long enough. It's not the Batmobile. It's a 2002 Citroen Saxo. Blue lights underneath the chassis. Yeah, that's practical in that it stops junkies shooting up in your wheel arches. Condoms. Stop being so tricky. By that, I mean uh, the instructions, because it always goes, step one, remove the condom from the packet. No, that's where the problems start. Step one should be, meet a nice girl. Girls, text back quicker. Everyone, stop using the hottest picture of yourself ever as your MySpace or Facebook profile. You don't look like that, and you know it. And also, if you go to a fancy dress party, don't be tempted to put a picture of yourself in the awesome costume onto the internet. Because then it could happen. You hope that it doesn't, but in 18 months' time, you're trekking in the outback and you go missing. Well, then lazy, lazy journalists from shit newspapers will just find the most ridiculous picture of you dressed as a lobster. Your friend as an octopus. Have you seen these brave travellers? Do we really care? Low-cost airlines. Don't think I don't see what's going on. Every time I get in one of your flights, the seat in front of mine is moving slightly close towards my seat. Soon I'm going to start getting crushed. Even now, the aerostess comes around and goes, sorry, sir, can you take your headphones out for takeoff? They're not my headphones. They are my knees. The, the human being is no longer the ideal organism to travel long-haul economy class. The ideal organism is now the penguin. You just waddle on board and you say, excuse me, can you just lift me up and raise me into the seat, please? Excuse me, I'd like to sleep now. Can you lift me up and put me into the overhead compartment? Chicken or fish? Well, obviously I'll have fish. I'm a penguin. Chicken would be mutual flightless bird cannibalism. Finally, government advisory ads. So many of them in this country at the moment, and they're always the same. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink, become violent. Don't take drugs. Don't eat smelly food on public transport. And you know, you see, everyone knows you're not supposed to do those things. So those campaigns have no effect. What's needed is a new campaign that covers all of those spaces at the same time. And I have it. It's this. Everybody, come on, just don't be a dick. Seriously, everybody grow up and realize that's ironic come from a man playing a three-foot plastic piano we got for his 11th birthday. But everybody, stop being a knob and everything will be fine. Otherwise, you risk being part of my beefs 2009. The Guardian Live at the Edinburgh Fringe 2008. Thanks very much for downloading all of these podcasts. This has been a Dabster production for The Guardian. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.